Okay. And so it's a special night to people that I absolutely adore here. Our first speaker tonight will be Daniel B., who will speak for 10 minutes and then turn the meeting over to our main speaker, Cheyenne, who will share their experience, strength, and help with us until 8.55. Daniel, do you need any help keeping track of time? Um, Sure, yeah. What do you want, a two-minute or a five-minute or? Uh, two minutes. Okay, sounds good. Take it away. Hi, my name is Daniel, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, it's really awesome to be here. Uh, Zoom AA is not something I've really been doing a lot for the past two years, to be completely honest with you. But, I mean, I can just look at this meeting right now, and there's a bunch of people who I essentially met on Zoom, and um, I, I'm really just grateful for all of them. Um Real quick, so sobriety day, it's August 12th, 2019. That's also my 28th birthday. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know. It was my birthday present to myself was to get sober. Um, I don't have a lot of time, so I don't want to, you know, bog down with like long drunk log. But basically, I grew up in Oakland. In fact, if you guys went to the... Uh, North Oakland double speaker meeting back when it was in person. It's on the same block as where my mom still lives. Um, so, you know, I grew up in Oakland. We grew up pretty average family, you know, working class family. Dad was a longshoreman. My mom was a teacher. And before that, she was a waitress. And we had, a, a, I had a pretty standard, pretty stable life. My parents worked uh, I was somewhat of a latchkey kid as we as they did in the 90s and um you know I just kind of had a normal life uh I didn't start drinking or using till I was about 13 um really just some kids that I knew in my neighborhood uh who I was going to school with were already drinking and using and I just Figured, you know, I'd just be one of the crowd and I started drinking with them. And I distinctly remember, though, the first time we ever drank, um, they were taking sips and I was taking like gulps. And I also remember saying out loud, this is what I want to do. I immediately had consequences. I got blacked out drunk the first time I ever drank. I got in trouble. I came home. I was a drunk child. So my parents obviously uh, knew I was drunk. And more importantly, um, it didn't stop me. I kept drinking all through high school, college. Like, you know, somehow I managed to get into SF State and things just really turned up then because I had no accountability anymore. I had nobody to keep me, um, you know, like parents. No one was going to get me in trouble but myself. So I just kept drinking, which is why I did not graduate from college. And, um, you know, it just kept going. It just kept going. And then drugs got involved. Drugs are a big part of my story. They're also part of Bill's story and Bob's story. So if that bothers you, read the big book closer. Um, and uh, I, too, you know, turned to high-powered sedatives, to uh you know and um i just got super strung out and like i never 
you know, I, I think, you know, in like the third grade, I was in a gifted and talented program, you know, after school. So I thought I was super smart and I thought I was smarter than everyone else who's ever tried to use drugs and alcohol. So I thought that addiction was never going to fall on me. It was something that we had in my dad's side of my family. Um, but I just thought I was too smart to get addicted to drugs and alcohol. And lo and behold, I was wrong. Um, you know, I ended up coming to AA for the first time uh, because I went to uh, outpatient rehab. And on the days we weren't at the rehab, we were supposed to go to meetings. And I distinctly remember my first meeting. Um, my first two meetings, I distinctly remember them. my first meeting, I walk in and I showed up late. I didn't want anybody to, um, you know, to, to notice me. I didn't want anybody to know I was new. I wasn't going to raise my hand. I wasn't going to do any of those things. I'd heard that that's what you do. And I didn't want to do it. So I showed up late on purpose. And as I show up, the speaker is speaking. And I distinctly remember it because she said something that has stuck with me to this day. She was speaking about how she was telling her sponsor, you know, why do I have to stop drinking? I went to rehab for drugs. And her sponsor said, if, if, if it's such a big deal for you to stop drinking, don't you think maybe you have a problem with it? And that really struck me because at the time I had a girlfriend and she had some, some health issues where a doctor told her, among other things she can no longer do was drink alcohol. And her response was, okay, fine. I guess I can't do that anymore. And my response was, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to drink as much as I want. How dare you tell me I can't drink anymore? But when she said that, it just struck me. And I knew I can't do this anymore. It just, for whatever reason, I really resonated with that. I relapsed. I didn't really want to stay sober at the time. You know, to be, you know, I was only getting sober because people were my family and my girlfriend at the time wanted me to get sober. And so I relapsed and I, I kept trying to come back to the rooms. I went to a bunch of different rehabs and it just wasn't taking. Um, by the end, you know, I was homeless. I was just wrecked. I was a wreck of a human being. I was a hundred pounds ish lighter than I am now. You know, um, I was. Uh, I had matted, you know, I had natural dreads starting to form from not washing down to my hips. And I just, I, all I, all my calories basically came from alcohol. I would wake up in the morning, you know, and I would begin to shake from alcohol withdrawal and I began to puke from heroin withdrawal and I would have to smoke heroin so that I could, keep the alcohol down so I could stop shaking long enough to shoot up. And then I would drink a cup of coffee to go throughout the day. Like that's how it was at the end. And um, that's all that I cared about. I spent, you know, from six in the morning to, you know, 10 at night or whatever. I just spent all day either getting drunk, getting high or figuring out schemes to make money so that I could get drunk and get high, which you know, led me to jail institutions and as close to death as you can probably come. Um, towards the end, I actually ended up overdosing on fentanyl three times in 
two weeks. And on the last time, what ended up happening was I was at West Oakland BART. All I remember was walking into the bathroom. And then it's like my eyes shut and I awake and there's a guy on top of me. He's giving me CPR. Cops are yelling at me. Some stranger saw me stumble out of the bathroom and collapse. And I'd stopped breathing and he narcanned me and he saved my life. And as the ambulance was loading me onto the ambulance truck or whatever, the, the, the man who was giving me CPR and narcanned me, he asked the police if he could talk to me. And for whatever reason, they said, sure. And as he's loading me, as they're loading me in, he, he walks up to me and he says, you need help. I looked at him and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And he went, I don't remember if he was in recovery or his partner was in recovery, but someone he loved, got it, was in recovery. And for some reason, I just said, okay. And I listened to him. It took me about two more months to get sober, but I did. I went to city team and they reintroduced me to the steps and they, and, and they took me to meetings and I found a sponsor and I just jumped into them for me, one, two, and three you know, weren't really that hard. You know, I, I admitted I was an alcoholic. I, I realized my life was unmanageable. I'm insane. I can't do this on my own. I need somebody else. This There's this guy who would come in there and he would teach us about the big book. And I was like, you know how to stay sober. I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. Right. We went through the steps in five and a half months. And then the pandemic happened. Like right as I was finally coming to meetings and and loving people at seven months sober to the day and one day to the one more day, seven months and one day on March 13th, when the world shut down, you know, I didn't know what to do, but nobody in the tenderloin was calling me and saying, Hey, you know, we're worried about you. We haven't seen you shooting up in an, you know, an alley, but all these people I met at AA were calling me all these you know, random people, people who I didn't think knew my name were calling me and they were saying, hey, we hope you're OK. Come to this Zoom meeting. Hey, we're going to socially distance, you know, and read the big book. Come come see us. And and I finally felt like this was really working. And I just kept going. I just kept working the steps, with, not just with my sponsor, but with sponsees. And it's the only reason I'm alive today. It's the only reason I have all the cash and prizes that I have, which, which is just a regular boring life that if you told me when I was 21 that I would have, I would spit in your face because I didn't think I'd be alive at 31. So thank you guys. This has been great. Um, and, uh, if you know, stay sober, get a sponsor, do the steps, read the book, you know, half measures availed us nothing. So, you know, don't half ass it. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Cheyenne. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm super grateful to be here tonight. Thank you, Laura, for asking me to speak. Um, thank you, Daniel, for your lead. Um, it was really cool to come into the meeting and learn that you were you were one of the you're the other speaker tonight. Um, there's there's a handful of people in this room um, that I know also from, you know, from the Zoom screens of 2020. And so it feels like surprisingly really like homey and and warm, like AA always does, but I wasn't expecting that. So um, off to a good start. 
Um, so I'll start, I'll start with my sobriety date. Um, it is April 23rd of 2018. So that means that I just last month celebrated five years of continuous sobriety, which is absolutely fucking insane. Um, when I was coming up, um, when I was like about four and a half, maybe like four and nine months, um, I realized that like, I was approaching um, that like milestone that I had heard people talk about where um, they've been sober for like longer than they were drinking or using their drug of choice. And like, I am like right around that point right now. Um, I got sober when I was 21 years old. Um, I started, you know, drinking and using drugs around like 13, 14. Um, so y'all can do the math and kind of like figure out that it was like a really, really steep uh, and steady decline. Um, I, yeah, so, so I'm, and for that, like, I am grateful because, you know, it landed me in the rooms at 21 years old and I really feel like I have gotten a chance to grow up in AA. Um, obviously, like as a teenager, when I was like, you know, doing, doing what I was doing, um, I didn't like get a chance to really have those like coming of age experiences and really like learning like basic, the basic skills that we do like in that, in that time period, because it is really crucial. But um, so I, I remember when I first heard um, someone say that, like, your brain, like, pauses developing, like, when you start using drugs. Like, I still don't, like, completely 100% agree with that. But I remember when I first heard it, I was like, that's that's a fucking joke. Like, that that's just, like, so out there. Um, but, but now, like, I really do kind of feel like I, I mean, I don't believe that, like, my brain, like, completely stopped developing. But I believe that, like, it because I was spending all of my time and my energy, you know, staying loaded, I wasn't getting a chance to like do the things that were going to like develop me into an adult basically. Um, and so these last five years, like I've really gotten to grow into the person that I am. Um, and ultimately like the adult and just like human that I am, like a has taught me all of that. Um, so, so yeah, um, I grew up in a, I, I don't want to say like a terribly dysfunctional household, but like parents got divorced when I, when I was six. Um, I had, there was just a lot of, um, a lot of stress and discomfort and, um, uh, just like tension in, in my household and like with my family. Um, I, so I like really quickly, like learned to kind of like compartmentalize. Um, and, um, really early on is when I started like checking out, like mentally, like I discovered like how to live in like fantasy lands in my head. And like, I remember for a long time, um, the only way that I could like get to sleep at night was by telling myself some story of some like alternate reality where I was like this completely different person living this completely different life. Um, and I definitely think as that as like one of the very first, like, uh, like stepping stones to like my, my addiction and my alcoholism. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I have addicts and alcoholics on both sides of my family. Um, I remember when I was getting to like 10, 11, 12 years old, I don't remember like what the context was, but my mom had, you know, verbalized that to me. She was like, you have addicts and alcoholics on both sides of your family. Um, so like, you have to like, be careful. So like, essentially she was like giving me a heads up about this being like a potentially genetic thing. Um, you know, when I was like, before I had even ever like touched anything and I was kind of like, oh, okay, mom, like, okay, sure. You know, it was just like one of those things I like brushed off as like just another thing that mom's saying to me. Um, and I have an uncle who is, uh, today he is 18 years sober. Um, so he got sober when I, when I, I must've been around that age, like 11 or so, um, so I don't really remember like what it was like when he was like out there drinking and using and everything. Um, but I do remember like starting to hear him talk about like 12 step meetings and, you know, I heard about his sponsor and like his sponsor would like be over for dinner, like at my grandmother's house sometimes. And I heard them talking about like this thing called the steps. And so like, I didn't really like know exactly what it was, but I knew that like my uncle, um, was sober and was like around and doing this thing. Um, and so like, as I like, you know, over the next few years, I started to like figure out more, like understand more like what 12 step meetings were. And so I understood it a little bit better. And I remember him being one of the first people to give me like, like the talk, like after I started like getting into trouble for like having weed at school and everything. Um, and I, I think back on it now and I realized that like he was doing, he was doing like 12 step work on me. Cause we were like at a party. Oh, we were at a party, um, that my mom was having at, at her house. And I think I remember saying that like, it was, I had like recently started drinking, I think. And I was like trying to not, because it was like automatically a problem. And my whole family knew that. And so I think I remember saying to my mom that it was hard to be there because there was alcohol everywhere, like 14 years old. And I already like can't be in an environment where there's alcohol and I'm not allowed to drink it. And so, yeah, so my uncle like came and sat with me and told me the story of like the last time that he drank and, um, you know, and ultimately, yeah, 12 step me. And I'm really, really grateful for for having like those experiences with my uncle because um you know over the the coming years um over the coming years I while I was you know doing my thing and just you know really being in the depths of my addiction and my alcoholism I would always think back to like 12 step meetings and I would like tell myself in the back of my head like okay, if it ever gets like really, really bad and I really just can't do it anymore, then like at least I know that there is some kind of solution out there. And I feel really grateful for that because I have like friends that I've met today um, that are in the program who, you know, are like in their like mid thirties and they had never heard of like AA or NA or any kind of 12 step program before like coming into treatment. And so learning that like really blew my mind. Um, and yeah, made me feel really grateful, uh, for my uncle. 
So, um, so yeah. Um, I also remember like as, you know, as a young teenager, um, I had like, I grew up like listening to a lot of like nineties grunge music where like all of the, you know, front men like you know had a heroin problem and like ended up like overdosing and everything and um you know that that led to me like romanticizing heroin and you know drug use and like all of that and like dying young like all of that 100 percent um and like in the big book in bill's story uh he talks about um there's this one line where he says uh that like uh men do like their best work when when drunk or or something something like that basically like insinuating that like alcohol and substances can be um like a a booster for like creativity or you know getting work done or whatever and that's like exactly what i told myself for a while um because you know i grew up like like pretty like creative and artistic and everything and i you know told myself that like that it was just that that like it was okay because it was gonna like help me like write and do art more and everything um but I like quickly quickly learned that that was not at all the case like I have so many um notebooks like I still have so many notebooks from like when I was loaded and I would be like trying to like write and I would be so like out of it that like my writing like on the page would just like like it would turn into no it was no longer um it was no longer like letters like it would just turn into like this little these little squiggles just like trailing off the page um because I was so fucked up while I was writing it I like couldn't stay alert enough um so that obviously I you know tried out uh that uh try out that experiment did did not work the way that I thought that it would um but that obviously did not stop me um yeah I I throughout high school I was suspended a handful of times um some of them were you know drug and alcohol related some of them uh were you know fighting and just like general shitty behavior um and yeah, I mean, really quickly, I I mean, the only the only way that I was able to graduate high school is because I was in uh, what's called what was called like a counseling enriched classroom. So I like to joke that that's like the place where they put like all of the emotionally fucked up kids and all of the drug addicts and everything. But it's like essentially just like you get a more there's like multiple teachers in the classroom and you just get like a more uh, individualized and um you know, more like one-on-one uh, teaching and like care and everything. Um, and so like even by my like senior year, like I was literally going like on campus like once a week for like maybe a couple hours to like give my work and get works for me to work on like in between like trips to San Francisco. Um, so, so yeah, but I ended up um, when all of my classmates were um walking the stage for graduation like I was detoxing on my dad's couch like that was just kind of that's like one example of the kinds of experiences that I missed out on because I you know because I was doing what I was doing um I um I 
had um so so in my junior and senior year of high school um is when I was getting really really deep into my into my drug of choice um and I had um a boyfriend at the time and him and I like we were doing we were using together and um we it was like very much like a, a prime example of like two people being in a relationship but it was like really like three people in the relationship because like the drugs or the alcohol was the third one um that was very much like what our relationship like revolved around um I it was you know that that was like all all that we did like I can't really think of like a, anything that we any anything else that we did that wasn't like related to staying loaded um and long story short um he ended up um he ended up leaving to go to rehab um and I like in my um you know just like in the state that I was in I like tried to like convince myself and others around me that I um also like wanted to like get sober and go to rehab um and so that was like the first time I checked myself into rehab. I had gone, I'd been sent to rehab uh, like when I was like 15, I think, but I was not there for very long. Um, but this was the first time that I like checked myself in and um, it was very, I mean, it didn't last very long. I was very much doing it like for the purpose of like okay, like, maybe if I go to rehab and I stay sober, like, maybe he will, like, come back, um, and none of that happened, um, and I took that as, um, as permission to just kind of, like, go even deeper and even faster into the direction that I was already heading, um, pretty soon after, you know, I, I mean, the next, like, three years is honestly, like, a blur. Like, I still get stories from people. Like, literally just yesterday, I went and I made an amends to, like, my childhood best friend who, like, in freshman, sophomore year, like, she started to express, like, concern for me. And she was like, hey, like, some stuff is, you know, maybe looking not so great that you're doing. Um, and I, I basically, like, interpreted that as, like, harm like I interpreted her concern for me as like her being malicious towards me. And I was like, fuck you. Like you're completely cut out, you know? And um, because essentially like what I did like throughout my entire addiction was if there was some, someone or something that like got in the way of me and staying loaded, um, they, they were out, you know, they, they were out. Like if, if you, if you got in the way of me staying loaded, then like, I did not have any time for you and you did not matter. Um, cause the only thing that mattered was staying loaded. Um, but, but yeah, yesterday when I was making these amends to her for, for doing that, for just like peacing out on her, um, you know, she shared with me like, um, something else that had happened that like, I, she was like, do you remember like, um, and I, and I didn't like, I still get stories from people, um, from throughout like these years where I don't like have any recollection over. And it's like, and it's pretty scary, you know, cause they just like keep, keep coming. And I don't know like what else I don't remember from that period of time. Um, 
But, but yeah, I mean, to, to sum it all up, I mean, I was also homeless on the streets of the Tenderloin, uh, sleeping in alleyways and, um, you know, constantly like, you know, only really having like the only possessions that I had were, you know, like whatever was in my pockets or like in my purse. Um, I, you know, I didn't have any contact with my family, um, Actually, in 2016, um, I I was in Marin for some reason. I was in jail in Marin for some reason. Um, that's where I grew up, and uh, I don't remember like if my if I had like called my dad from there or what. But my dad came to pick me up um, when I was released, and he had shared with me that my brother had passed away, and he was like. I've been, you know, I've been looking for you. He was like looking for me, like in the, in the Tenderloin and around San Rafael, just like wherever I might possibly be. Um, and, um, because, because yeah, because my brother had died and, um, he took me home to his house and I spent the night there and I was able to, um, you know, see my mom and my sisters, um, and, you know, like say goodbye to my brother's body the next day. Um, but after that, like I dipped out again and I went like even harder after that. Um, and, you know, and that's like, you know, something that I, I make amends for like every single day, like every time that I am with any like member of my family, um, I'm like making a living amends by just like being there and like showing up when I'm needed because like, I really fucked that one up, you know? Um, so, so yeah. Um, so for a while after that, you know, people didn't hear from me. Um, I was go, I was continue to go in and out of jail. Um, and I had like been sent to like rehab, like I'd been court ordered to like rehabs a couple times. Um, and I went to Walden house, like here in the city. Um, but like, you know, never again, like it never lasted long. Like I was always like sent to, to rehabs, like, and I was put there and was like trying quote unquote for um like something or someone else like there was like not enough like motivation inside myself for myself like I mean I I thoroughly believe that um you know when when we're newly sober we do not have to like be completely like only doing it for ourselves like it is okay to like put some of the like to keep our motivation, like for staying sober as like, okay, like I don't want to, um, I don't want to lose the trust of like my family again, or like, I don't want to go to prison. Um, I want to, you know, some people like, it's a matter of like getting their kids back or like what, whatever, like it may be. Um, it is okay to use that as like motivation to stay sober. And like, that is honestly like needed. And I feel like you have like a good shot at staying sober if you have that, because like, when in my first like year or so I was just talking to someone about this I can't remember who it was but in like my first year of sobriety um I my sister so after my brother died and I wasn't around um it was also happened to be like my younger sister's high school graduation and she was like absolutely like 
like absolutely like did not want me around. She told me that like she didn't consider me her sister anymore. She told me um, that she didn't want me coming to her graduation, but my family was like, no, you should still come. So I came and then she like literally like like did not acknowledge me at all there like she was like so so fucking deeply hurt because her and I we were like best friends growing up like we're less than two years apart like I'm the older sister we're like really really close and so obviously this like hurt her a lot um and so in my first year of sobriety I knew that like if I were to go out again if I were to relapse and start using again I was going to lose my younger sister's trust for good like my older sister my parents like I know that they would like keep on like trying and helping but like my younger sister I knew that um that that wouldn't be the case with her so you know in those moments of like weakness where like I did like feel urges and I did feel cravings I just felt like throwing the fucking towel in um I would think about my little sister and that's not to say that like I was doing it all for her like I knew that I was like trying for me but like sometimes we just need that that little lifeline you know when when we're really feeling on the edge um and you know today uh my little sister and I we have a beautiful fucking relationship and we are best friends again um we're actually next month she lives in Oregon right now um next month like her and I we're planning a trip together where we like come and like meet in the middle and like spend you know three or four nights um just just hanging out um and you know that's that's been one of the like most beautiful and most valuable uh gifts of sobriety for me has been like being able to like genuine like slowly and genuinely like rebuild these relationships with the people that I have harmed um because like for for years and years and years like I didn't think that like I had the capability or that I like or that I like wasn't worthy of like having good relationships with people um and that has proved to be wildly wildly untrue um so yeah um I ended up getting sober in jail it like wasn't something where um it wasn't one of those things where you know, something really big happened and I like, you know, my eyes opened and I realized I had to do something different. Um, I was in jail and I was, um, you know, carrying out, I, I did, I ended up doing nine months, um, and around like month six, I think, um, I was still, I was still getting high. Um, and I had a drug, everyone got drug tested and mine came back positive. And I had told, I told myself like, and I got like written up and like put on a contract and everything. And I told myself that like, at least for the rest of like my time, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to like stay sober um, because I don't want to, you know, get busted again and potentially like get my sentence extended. Like, I just want to get out like as soon as possible. So that way, like I can go back to like doing what I was doing before. Then I can go back to just like doing drugs freely and, you know, um, and so, but then fast forward like three months later when it's like around time for me to be released, I, um, 
you know, I had like three months sober and that was longer than I had had since I was 13 or 14, you know, and for like the very first time in, you know, nearly 10 years, um, I got to kind of feel like clear headed and feel, um, just kind of like, like myself again. And so I was like, okay, like, this is kind of cool, I guess. Um, and so I told myself, I was like, well, if I'm going to like try to be sober, then I might as well try right now when I already like kind of have like a head start. Like I already have these three months anyway. So like maybe see if I can do something with it. Um, and so I don't know, I don't remember like at which point I decided, um, that like, this was like a, like, this was something that I, I wanted to like stay sober for as long as I could. Um, I don't know like when that shift happened um, because for, for a little while it was kind of just like, I was just doing the whole like one day at a time thing really is what it comes down to. Um, you know, I went, uh, I went to rehab after I got, after I got out of jail and um, I just kind of like, took suggestions and like allowed myself to be uncomfortable um and put one foot in front of the other you know I I just had like a certain a certain amount of willingness and like the resources at my disposal that like and I'd never had like both of them at the same time before um and so, and so, yeah, I kind of just like tried it out and I went, um, you know, I went to a whole, a handful like different meetings for a while, um, but eventually ended up in AA. Um, the way that I heard my sponsor put it is that like, I, even though like alcohol, honestly, like was not like a huge part of my story, like in the last five years of my addiction, but like the way that my sponsor put it is, you know, if, um, if I was in active addiction right now, um, and I, and like all of the drugs, like just got wiped off the face of the earth, but like alcohol was still around, like I would 100% turn to alcohol. Um, because, you know, when I am like in, in my addiction, it's just like, no matter what the substance like makes me feel as long as I don't feel the way that I do just like static, like raw dogging, like I, then that's okay. Like, even if I like, even, even if it's like a, a bad feeling, like from the, from the, from the substances, like, I just don't want to feel how I feel by myself. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, my so my sponsor also spoke at this meeting like semi recently um and when I told her that I was speaking here and I was like dude I don't know how I'm gonna do 45 minutes she was like oh dude like when I when I was doing that um that share I um you know was just like talking and talking and talking and then I looked um at the clock and I was like almost out of time and I was like oh wow I like have to get sober now and I was like oh no that's not gonna happen to me but like okay, here we are. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, I fucking, I, so I was able to just like throw myself in the program. Like I, um, 
was fortunate enough to like be in a sober living where um, I didn't like I wasn't required to like go straight into work. Um, so I was able to, you know, really spend like majority of my time and energy on my recovery. And I really feel like that made a huge difference uh, for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, fuck, there's like, there's like so much that I could talk about. Um, so I, um, I was in a sober living for a few years. Um, I got, I, I got, I got, I got a good job, um, last, last year, the year before last year. Um, and so like things were kind of just like seeming like they were really falling into place for me. Like I got, you know, I got an apartment of my own. Um, I got a cat who's currently wrestling my other cat. Like things just kind of like, I have like a really fucking amazing partnership. Um, just like things are like solid. Um, and last, uh, fall of 2022, um, I got a call from my older sister and I'll try to make this concise. Um, she got pulled over um, on her way to work one morning and learned that she had um, a a warrant under a warrant for her arrest, like under her name. And um, surprise, it was not her that the warrant was for. It was me, and I had used her name back in 2016 um, because my name had too many warrants under it at the time. So I was like whose name can I use? Oh, me and my sister look really alike. I'll just use my sister's name. Like 100% like survival mode, like not thinking of the consequences again, like whatever I have to do to stay loaded, right? Like even at the potential expense of like one of my family members. Um, So that phone call um, led to a couple months of um, me really 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 uh like a total fucking test from god um of like okay you have like things are cool and um you know you do this program but like can you really implement the principles of this program like into all your affairs like in all situations um and it was it was wild because like in that first phone call from my sister um you know, I didn't even have to, like, think. I didn't even have to, like, think of, like, oh, should I tell the truth or should I try to, like, just brush it off as if, like, I don't know, like, what it may be. Like, there was no thought like that. Automatically, I was, like, yes, I did use your name. Like, and I said, like, right then and there, like, I'm going to do, like, whatever I have to do to make this right. This is absolutely, like, not okay. And this is not something that, like, you should be dealing with. Um, So, like, I'm going to do, like, what I have to do to make it right. And I remember her saying, like, well, I don't want you to get in trouble. And I was like, you know, if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. Like, this is my opportunity to, like, make this right. Um, And so the next couple months consisted of um, me um, going, you know, going to court, uh, you know, a select handful of times, um, I had to like go through a whole booking process, um, you know, stone cold fucking sober, um, which was quite, quite an experience. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I was able to borrow money from my grandmother to pay for a lawyer. Um, wild that like she was willing to do that and that she trusted me to to pay her back. Um, which like I had I had uh so this must have been like in November, December, um, but I had this spiritual moment um because I had been thinking my grandma, you know, she's like she just turned 80 uh last fall. So, you know, she's like getting kind of old. Um and I had been thinking for a while, um, you know, what like what can I do? Like, I want to like spend more time with my grandmother, you know, like I want to be able to like hear and like absorb all of her stories and everything, you know, just like, just like what's, what's nice to do with, with someone with a family member um, that's approaching that age. And I remember thinking that a lot. And then there was one day, um, you know, cause she's my grandmother. She doesn't like have fucking Venmo or anything like that. Like, she, like I give her cash, like when I'm paying her back, you know, a fixed amount each month. And so I had brought the money over to her and, you know, we were just like hanging out and talking in the kitchen. And I had this moment where I was like, wow, like, I am getting to have like a consistent like schedule like monthly schedule of like these these carved out like dates with my grandmother because like I'm bringing her money to pay her back for this 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 lawyer fee um but like I'm getting to to like listen to her stories and talk with her and you know rebuild like this relationship just like build a relationship period um and so that's like one example of the ways that like, you know, we don't always know like what's going to come out of like potentially a really shitty situation. Um, last time that I shared about this, like in a like as a share, um, I forgot to like let people know like how it ended up. So I'll be sure to do that right now um, because I was able to like fully implement the principles of like honesty, open mindedness and willingness um, into this like court situation. I was able to come out of it um, with a $200, uh, a $200 fine and 10 days of court probation, which is basically just like, don't get into legal trouble and you're fine. And like, I genuinely like this was this was like a case where it could either be like, just throw it out or it could be like you're going to prison like I like it could go either way and this is what ended up happening um and it was just overall like such a profound um and strong experience of like really getting to like I said like the challenge from God to like practice these principles in all my affairs um and like I like it's only it's only through stuff that I've learned in Alcoholics Anonymous um, that I'm able to like show up in situations like that um, and you know ultimately make things right like that um, because like me on my own like I I am someone that likes to run and hide and avoid and not deal with things um, but Alcoholics Anonymous um, has showed me how to. I would just, you know, practice some opposite action from those tendencies and really just show up. Um, so I see what time it is. So um, I'm just going to say that, like, you know, my my program 
I, I still like, I still work the steps. Um, I'm doing like a second round of amends right now. Uh, I meet with a, my sponsor every week and I have a handful of sponsees, uh, one or two of which is in the room right now. Um, and yeah, uh, I, you know, I show up and I say yes as much as I can. I can't always say yes, um, but I say yes as much as I can. Um, and it all, it all works out. You know, I put one foot in front of the other, um, and I have a relationship with my higher power today and I tap into it when I need it. So that's all I got. Thanks y'all.